says, because you don't first come to me, who is the source of the life, Jesus, the living word, who gives this, makes this word come alive. And uh, is that possible that we as Christians can read this word and it can be dry to us and not bring us life? And God is saying he wants us to come into that place of intimacy with him. And then this word uh, gives us life in a fresh and a wonderful way. Because I believe all these different means to grace, all the sun and the water and the fertilizer that God gives us in our lives, when we take it and we apply it with faith and with the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, it brings his life in us and we can begin to enjoy God and to glorify him. And it, I, I believe that keeping our hearts open to God is what stops our Christian life from becoming mechanical and just a matter of principles that we try and fulfill. We think, if I do these things, then I'm going to grow as a Christian. It comes when we open our hearts daily to Christ. And it's so subtle and simple when we start to just harden our hearts. It's just a small thing here and there, and suddenly you find... You, you suddenly find it so hard to pray. You find it so hard to come to church. It just becomes a real drag. It's because something has slowly begun to get um, hardened or cut off from the roots. Um, you see, I also believe that our lives find their true meaning when we understand the purpose for why we were created. How many of you have asked that question of yourself? Why am I here on this earth? Why was I made? I don't think any, most of us go through some time in our lives when we ask that question. And um, I believe that our sense of purpose that we have is what makes our lives cohere and make sense. And uh, it, what's, it's the thing that enables us to persevere. When you're going through a tough time, Having a sense of your reason for being here, having a sense of purpose is what makes you push through, isn't it so? You think, actually, I can, I can put up with this because I see something else at the end, and it's what perseveres. And uh, Thomas Carlyle, a Scottish satirist, he said this. He said, a person without purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a homeless wanderer, a nothing, a no man, which is quite true that we can, without purpose, we can just be buffeted this way and that way. In the Westminster Confession, it says this about the chief end of man, the chief purpose of man is to know God and to worship him and enjoy him and bring him glory as God. Isn't that amazing? It says Our per the reason why God made us was to know him and to worship him and to enjoy him. And so often, I think if we had to stop and think what our real purpose is that gets us up out of bed in the morning, sometimes it isn't that, is it? Sometimes can be a whole lot of other things driving us that keep us going, but in the end, those things cannot sustain, and those things don't get us through the really tough times, and God wants to bring us back to the fact that he's trustworthy. Keep our hearts rooted in him because enjoying him and knowing him is the reason why he gave us life in the first place. And Jesus said this amazing thing. He said, eternal life is this, that they may know me. And um, I, I always find that a very fascinating thing that that word know is the same word that is used of Adam knew his wife Eve in the sense of that sexual intimacy that they had in the Garden of Eden. And he says that's the same 
depth and type of intimacy that we can have with God. That's what he wants for us. That's what eternal life is, being just that vulnerability of spirit where you can open your heart to God and he can know you personally and intimately. Um, Can we go in our Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, to Romans chapter five? Because there's a, a wonderful way that... Paul, when he wrote this book to the church in in Rome, he explains some of these things. I just want to start off by reading the first verse, and it says this, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it an amazing thing that we can be at peace with God? We can know him, and we can be at peace with him. And God has made a way for that to be possible because of what Jesus did. All of God's wrath was satisfied by Jesus' death on the cross. It settled it. And his wrath doesn't have to go on us. And so we have this wonderful access to God and to his throne. And we can come, as it says, without any fear, we can approach the throne of God. We have peace with him because of what Christ has done. And this... This thing of being able to know God and have peace with him, that's what he's aiming for us to go, grow in more and more each day and to grow more deeply because that's what we're going to do for eternity. We're going to come to know him more and more deeply. Maybe a good way to explain this thing of what is communion with God, I, I wrote this definition as the mutual sharing of those good things which delight each person in that friendship or relationship. So can I say that again? It's the mutual sharing of the good things that delight each other in that friendship. So maybe I'll take Diona and Carla, and they're, they're very good friends. And what is your best thing you like to do with, when you go out together? <laughs> what? <laughs> Eat muffins, okay. So... If Diona knows that Carla loves muffins, she buys Carla this amazing muffin. And now in a, there's this mutual sharing. And, she, and then Carla says, oh, but I also bought you a muffin. Funny that. Yeah, I knew you liked muffins. And they share with each other these muffins. But you know, this kind of sharing in a relationship involves a giving and then you receive, Diona says, oh, thank you for my lovely muffin. And it also comes with a, a responding back with gratefulness and thanks. And uh, it's the same in our relationship with God. There's a mutual sharing that's got to happen for that relationship to grow. And it's always it's an amazing thing with God. It's always initiated by him. He's the one that first gives. And he gives of himself. He, gives, he gave his son Jesus, and he also gives his Holy Spirit to be with us as our companion and our counselor and our friend. And then we have the response in that relationship to receive what he gives, and, and then we respond back with living lives of gratitude and delight in him. So I believe that in order to really grow and not be a stick in the ground, We can come to church, we can do all the right things, we can have all the water and the sun and everything that we need, but we need to, and that's why I thought it was such a wonderful thing in the worship tonight, that thing about trusting God, because I think sometimes our lives take knocks. I've noticed that in my life, I get knocked and I go, oh God, I don't know if I can trust you in that, 
And God's saying, no, you can still trust me because sometimes I let knocks come just to test that you know that this is not about the knocks or about you, I stay the same. And uh, you know, I think that's what the thing that God wants us to do so we continue to grow is that we stay rooted in the fact that he is a, a triune God. As Christians, we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, we, I think sometimes we can grow, have a tendency to say, well, I like the Father more, I can relate to the Father, or I prefer Jesus, I understand Jesus and the cross. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he's great, or well, I don't know the Holy Spirit, he's a bit weird. I don't, I don't think I really like that side of God. Or we, can, we can pick and choose, but God wants us to relate to him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's as we embrace the fullness of the Godhead that we stop being sticks and we become trees, that all those things, those means to grace, have their full effect in our lives. So maybe if we, in this chapter of Romans 5, if you just go to uh, verses 6 to 10, we can read there. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. I believe that when we commune or have relationship with God the Father, that he wants us to learn to relate to him through his love. That is the key to relating to the Father is love. And it tells us that God amazingly poured out his love on us when we didn't deserve it. Have any of you ever had that experience from a human friend or a situation where someone shows you kindness and you know you've just acted like a dog? You've just been really mean and they're really kind to you and you go, I don't deserve that. And that's how God is with us. He's God the Father. He pours his love on, on us lavishly when we don't deserve it. And because of his love, he sent his son. And verse 5 is very interesting. If we just go back, it says, um, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us. We're not only able to understand this love, but we're able to know and experience it, because he's given us his Holy Spirit as a way that we can intimately know this wonderful love of God. Um, there's two verses that I just want to pick out that I think have been, for me, part of my journey in understanding the love of God. And I want to ask you tonight, maybe whatever I'm picking up on, sometimes when you're taking notes, if God is speaking to you and he just highlights something for you, then write that down because maybe that's the thing that God's wanting to process in your life. But the two verses that have been really something I've been learning is that the first one is that perfect love casts out fear. And uh, I shared in the Sunday morning that I, I, I think that I grew up in a very sheltered and a very happy childhood and uh, almost became fearful that something bad was going to happen and how would it pop my bubble of this ideal world that I lived in. And um, and bad things do happen, and eventually some difficult things do happen because that's the reality of life. We live in a fallen world. 
Um, but the one thing that I began to learn through that process is that actually I never understood this thing, that perfect love casts out fear. I don't need to be afraid, even when things are difficult and hard, because I know that God's love is so good and so perfect, he's able to sustain me and carry me through even the hardest things. And even Job, he says, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. He had a revelation that actually my hardship isn't the main thing. It's actually there's something deeper and bigger that God's bringing through, and that's me getting to know him and understand him and know that he's loving and true and faithful. So sometimes he allows us to go through hard things, even that we might understand his love more deeply and understand something more of him. And the second thing is that verse in Hebrews where it says he disciplines those whom he loves. Ouch. You know, you think we've got to relate to father through love. And we think sometimes when we go through hard times that it's him pushing us away and rejecting us. And it's not the case at all because his discipline is the most wonderful demonstration that we are sons. It is, a, it is evidence that we are sons when he disciplines us because he's saying, no, I'm shaping these things in you. I'm, I'm taking out these ugly things and I'm, I'm just bringing you on a straight path so that you can run into the fullness and the freedom that I have for you. So when we go through hard times, it's not saying God doesn't love you and we can't relate to the Father as loving. Do you understand? It's his perfect love is able to carry you through hard times and his perfect love is the thing that actually says, I'll use these hard times to, to shape you and to bring you into a greater place with me. Isn't, don't you love, I think one of my favorite chapters is Romans 8, where it says um, we are more than conquerors in Christ, and it, and it just says all things work to the good of those who are loved and called by God. Everything that happens in our lives, let me encourage you, God says it works to our, our good. Isn't that amazing? That's love. Because if he wasn't all powerful, it would work out to some other end but he's loving and he's powerful and he uses the hard things. So even this evening, if that's the part that's being cut off slightly and you've started to become a stick, just say, Lord, heal that thing in my heart where I've started to close my heart to you as a, a loving father. Help me to see your love again and open my heart to you as a loving father. And then the second part of the Trinity is the, the, the son, Jesus and we commune with the Son of God through grace. And maybe let's read verses 9 and 10 again. It says, Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were, when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are justified. That means we're treated as if we're not sinners when we are. And we are reconciled to God because Jesus was obedient and he, his life paid the price for what our punishment should be. Everything, when we are in Christ, everything that we have and everything that we are is because of Christ. The the longer I'm a Christian, the more I see <laughs> that this is an empty shell. And actually anything good that is in here is because of Christ. 
And it's an amazing revelation. I think that's something that I also have had in my journey as a Christian is I used to think I was the most amazing person. I thought, gee, people are so lucky to know me, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, as I've, as I've grown and matured in Christ, I think, oh, God, you're so kind that you even, you even use me. You know, there's this kind of, and I'm not meaning that in a falsely humble way, the, um, the, I'm not trying to be silly in that, but there is just this reality that you realize, actually, they've, but for the grace of God, they go, I, I mean, if you see people that are broken, that could be me, but it's the grace of God that I'm not there. It's not because of anything in me. And um, Christ is our all in all. He's our sufficient one. And when he came... In his finished work on the cross, Jesus offers himself us, gives himself to us. Remember I said God relates to us by him giving himself. And Jesus gave himself to us in three ways. He gave himself as a prophet to us, a priest, and a king. And uh, I think that, again, if I can use a stick analogy, sometimes... We need to learn how to receive how God, how Jesus has given himself. And as we receive, we're able to respond and allow his life to flow through us. When we receive him as a prophet, we receive him as one who comes to teach us. And um, I think that when Jesus comes and he speaks into our life, someone brings the word. It's, it's almost like we can see Jesus standing before us and saying, my son, my daughter, I want to speak into your life. I want to come and bring this truth into your life. And the way that we receive and respond to what he brings will be the thing that brings life into our, our life. And we said in, um, in uh, John, it says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And as we embrace his grace and his truth, as he teaches us, we can see his life coming into our lives. Because this word is sufficient, and as we respect the authority, as we honor the authority of this word, we'll see Jesus will begin to teach us and bring life to us. And the second thing that we receive him as is we receive him as our great high priest who offered himself up for us, and it says that he intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that we respond to that by giving our very lives back to him. He, he gave his life as a, a great high priest and sacrificed himself. And our response is, okay, God, I'm going to give my life back to you because I trust you. I, don't you think it's amazing? The, don't think of you. I know we're one of billions. We all, his church is made up of billions of people. But and he's interceding for his church, but he's also interceding for each one of us. And he sits there at the Father's hand, he says, I know what Carol needs right now. Father, I just pray that over her life. I know exactly what she needs, and I know exactly what Hugh needs, and he's interceding for us. I mean, it's a, it's a win-win situation. Yes, we go through hard times, but we have that great high priest interceding on our behalf. And maybe that's where we need to open our hearts again. Trust him. He's for you, and he's standing there interceding daily on your account. Then the, second, the third thing I said is we've got to receive Jesus as king because he, a king rules. And we, we, 
we have to keep our hearts open to his government, to his rule in our lives. And sometimes that's the part we don't like. We think, oh, I like you as the cuddly daddy, but will I take you as the king who says, no, that's, that's got to stop, or this is my authority in your life. I, I'm calling you to obedience in this. And so we've also got to yield our lives. And I, and I think that sometimes our response in that aspect of our relationship with God is submission, to say, God, I'm going to bow my knee in this. I'm not going to keep wrestling. I, I acknowledge Jesus as the king. And I believe that when we... You know what they sometimes call kings sovereigns, don't they? Jesus is sovereign in the very true sense of the word. He is all sovereign. He knows all things and he's in control and his will is what governs all things. You can bow before such a king because you know you've known him as father who loves you and he's king who is all powerful and whose rule is there to protect you. He's not a malicious king that's coming to provoke you and taunt you. He's a king that's coming to say, all this rule, all this glory is there for you uh, because I love you and I want to protect you. So yielding and submitting to such a king is for our own good and it's a wonderful freedom. So just to get back to what I was saying, we, to, to grow in God, we need to keep our hearts, hearts to open to communing with him and there's a giving. He gives himself as father who loves us, and we respond to that. He gives himself as Jesus, as the prophet who intercedes, or who teaches the priest who intercedes and the king who rules, and we respond appropriately. Ask God, Lord, where am I not keeping my heart open? Where am I not being rooted in that area of my relationship with you? I want to grow in, in knowing you. And then the last part, and not the least or to put us to the side, but we commune with the Holy Spirit through the comfort that he brings. You know, it is possible for us to know the authority of Christ and his word in a very intellectual way. Um, but God wants us to know him in an intimate, knowing way. And that comes through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. I remember a time in my Christian life where I knew God and I, I wasn't yet baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was a very true and honest and sincere relationship. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, there became this enabling to, to know him in such a, a deep and a wonderful way. Um, I, I also think what's a very interesting thing that uh, when I was doing that prophetic course that Greg Haslam said, he said that this. You can't equate spirituality with maturity. Isn't that an interesting thing? That we can operate in all the gifts. We can prophesy. We can speak in tongues. We can do all those things. But that doesn't mean that we're spiritually mature. And maturity comes from this relationship with God because he, he lavishes gifts on all of us. But, but he wants us to grow maturity. Then the exercising of our spirituality, our gifts go in harmony with us, our maturing in our knowledge and knowing of him. And uh, he wants the two together. But I think that one of the wonderful things is, is that uh, when we understand the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, why God gave him, then we can begin to understand, oh, I need to cooperate with you, Holy Spirit. And as we cooperate or respond to the Holy Spirit, we see this amazing growth 
and deepening it that happens in our lives. So I just want to list a few things that the Holy Spirit does and how we can respond and cooperate with him and uh, grow from sticks to trees <laughs> in the analogy. I know you're not really sticks, and I'm not really a stick, but the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us. And Ant taught so wonderfully this morning about confessing our sins and how confession is this amazing grace that God gives us. Instead of our instinct is to cover up and to blame and to find extenuating circumstances for our stinky attitudes, God says, no, just be honest with me. It is stinky and it's horrible. And then God says, as soon as we confess that, it says he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Isn't that amazing? And that wonderful passage in, in, uh, in, in Psalms, Psalm 32 is that actually God then covers over your sin. He doesn't expose you. Isn't he kind? He could just say, right, everybody, that person over there, they just confessed to me and it's true. I want you all to know he's a dirty, rotten scoundrel. No, he covers over us, and he just, he's amazing. But he convicts us for our own sake, for our freedom to be set free. When he convicts, let's agree with him. Let's say it's true. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he regenerates us. He's changing us from the inside. And when we got saved, or when you get saved, he regenerates you straight right then and there. You have a new nature in God. But it's a wonderful ongoing process of regeneration. And I like to think of it like this. It's almost like he puts a new set of values inside of us. He helps us to value things in a whole different way. And things that before were okay, no longer you think, mm, no, that doesn't sit so well with me. And I used to watch that kind of movie, but ah, I don't... Uh, now I change the channel or whatever. I don't know what it is, but there's just a new value system. There's a regenerating that God does by his Holy Spirit, and we can cooperate with him. And the third thing that he does is that um, he indwells us. And uh, isn't that amazing that God comes and makes his home with us? And that means that we can do things by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so he asks us to do these amazing things. He asks us to love horrible people. He asks us to say sorry when we've been bad. He asks us to do these things that our human instincts just go. (laughs) But then he gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit, and we're able to go, I really do love you. You're really stinky and I really love you. And it's sincere because the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about you. And the Holy Spirit is able to empower us to do that. It's amazing and we can cooperate. And another thing that he does is he illuminates. How many times, maybe before you were saved, maybe you read this word of God. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit And it needs to be interpreted through the Holy Spirit. And so when we have the Holy Spirit in us, he just makes these things come alive. What what can just be words that are on a page are so personal to you. It says it's like a sword dividing bone and marrow, soul and spirit. God just comes and speaks and you go, God, that is for me. That speaks so clearly to me. And then I just want to mention two more. I'll just shorten my list a bit. But 
the one th- other thing that the Holy Spirit does is he comforts us. And in our deepest, deepest trials, whatever we may be going through, he comes and he presences himself with us in such a tender and a real way. I know there's been times when I've lined on my bed, I said, God, just be real to me right now. Just be so real to me because I need you to be real right now because I'm really hurting or whatever. And it's amazing to me how he comes and he is a comforter and he really is he. And it says about, about God that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't pander to them and say, well, you don't need to change that. But he sympathizes. He says, I understand. I understand what you're going through. And he, and he comes around us. It's like he puts his arm around us. So when he does that, let's not be like, I'm not listening to you. Let's not be impetuous and push him away. Let's soften our hearts and open when he comes to bring his comfort. And the last thing I want to mention that he does is that he seals us. A seal like, like you have a wax seal on a letter with this signet ring pressed in there because it's by royal decree. And the Holy Spirit is like a seal on our lives. He says, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit for your inheritance for, the, for, for heaven. It's like you're a done deal. You're sealed. And if you have asked Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are with you, and the Holy Spirit seals you. And we have full assurance that you are pardoned from your sin. The Holy Spirit just lets you know you are forgiven. There's no, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the way that we have that assurance is the Holy Spirit confirms that and he seals that in our hearts. And I also believe what he does when he does that is that he begins to transform our perspective and we begin to live with a heavenward destination in mind because the Holy Spirit's like a down payment guaranteeing what is yet to come, our future inheritance in glory. I just want to finish off. If you can turn with me in your Bibles to Job chapter 22. And reading from verse 21. It's amazing words. It says, Now acquaint yourself with him. So in some translations it says, Now agree with him, or now come to know him. But now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. This week, I've noticed, I know in my devotion, um, it said sometimes we don't, we, we don't feel settled in our spirits. It's when we stop and we just come and be in his presence and we read his word, it just like gives you peace. It just settles everything. And all those things that are in turmoil just get their perspective and their place. And you think, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. And thereby good will come to you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Receive, please, instruction from his mouth. Don't you love that? It's almost like, please now. Receive instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. 
Whose words do we lay up in our hearts? Whose words are we continually reflecting on? Lay up his words in our hearts. And if you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. You will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stone of the brooks. Stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. And I remember when we went to France on our holiday with uh, Matt and Jess, and we went up to this beautiful top of the mountain and the lake. We were looking for a waterfall, which we never found. But we found something else instead, and that was these uh, rock outcrops. And they had lots of pyrite, which is fool's gold. And obviously it's worth nothing, but it's very sparkly and pretty. And the boys thought, gold! And we walked back to the car with their pockets bulging with this pyrite. And we, we eventually we had to say, you can take that one, not that one. We just throw some away. But I sometimes wonder when we come to God, we come to him with pockets full of fool's gold. Things that we've stored up. Lots of pyrite. It's worth nothing. But we're bulging with all this stuff that we think is valuable. And he says, let me be your gold. Let me be your silver. Just open your heart to me, Father through love, the Son through his grace, and the Holy Spirit through his comfort. And wherever those things have become just severed and hardened, let him come and restore. And I just, as I'm busy speaking, won't you just bow your heads? I just want to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, won't you be with us in a sweet and a tender way, Lord, as we respond to this word. Father, I know in my life how often I just fill my pockets with fool's gold to stifle my fears or my anxieties. Oh, Lord, I, we want to say again that we want to renew our trust in you tonight. We want to say that whatever life throws at us, that you are more than able to carry us, that you are more than worthy to be honored by us and for us to depend on you. And Father, we're sorry for when we are full of pride and we just lean on ourselves instead of on you. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to understand you more. We want to enjoy a sweet fellowship with you. I pray, Lord, for people's hearts tonight where they need healing because of things that have happened, disappointments or disillusionments, and how often, Lord, we put those things onto you, even when they're disillusionments with people. Lord, I pray that you would come and heal hearts tonight, that you would just allow our roots to go deep into you again. Thank you, Lord. By your Spirit, won't you come just... Just wash over each person here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just in the in the worship time, I had a picture of someone standing in a field. And uh, their destination was to move to the next field. 
but I saw this barbed wire fence in the way and it was this quite a menacing fence and it was almost like they had stopped because they were intimidated by this barbed wire and then I saw the Lord come with this it was a thick thick rug and he just threw it over the fence and the fence fell down and they were able to walk over it and I, I felt I felt that that had to do with his love and and his trust and trusting in him um, but I just felt that there were some here that were, that were being intimidated and that fear and anxiety was stopping you from moving into the next thing that God has for you. I just want to pray. If, if you feel that word's for you, maybe just indicate with your hand, but just not for me, but just that you can just receive that the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight, don't be intimidated because my love can overtake and uh, can cover over those things and I can make a way for you through them. And so Father, I just pray uh, just in response to that, Lord, I pray that you would come and comfort tonight. I pray for your godly perspective to come into that situation that is intimidating right now. And Lord, I want to pray that you will make a way through what the devil has try to make overwhelming, Lord, that actually it's something that will just fall over very easily as we trust in you. And I just hear, I just speak a release, Lord, that what you have purposed will not be held back because of intimidation and fear. And I ask that in Jesus' name.